Hello and welcome. You're listening to the podcast channel of Cloud Playhouse. In this first episode of our podcast, we bring to you a short story reading of Choni's portrait. Set in the late 1960s in Masuri, India, at a time when China had recently conquered Tibet and the Dalai Lama had been expelled to India along with many of his followers, this story follows an encounter between a sweet Tibetan girl and a city-bred man. Written by the prolific and award-winning writer in the Kannada language of India, Neela Devi, translated by Anita Kishan, edited by Deepa Iyengar, read by Malavika Jayasimha, Rita Bhatia, Anirudh Mohan and Ashish Chakraborty, produced and directed by Malavika Jayasimha. Presenting Choni's Portrait. Scene 1. The road ascended through Dune Valley. Girish watched the panoramic view from the window of the bus and gazed at the black road heading up the gorge. It looked like an unfurling black python on the back of a mountain. As the bus climbed up, the misty atmosphere and the cold wind made his teeth chatter. He looked down and saw the sunlight sweeping through the valley. In contrast to the chill up the mountain, the warmth of the sun down below comforted his heart. How long will you be in Mushuri? Asked the Bengali fellow passenger who was travelling with his wife. It was the puja or dasara season. Hence, many Bengalis went to visit the Himalayas at this time. Girish answered, um, I'm not sure. Right now I'm thinking of staying for a week. The Bengali was talkative. He was trying to pry open Girish's quiet mouth with his questions. How come you are here by yourself? It is great to visit as a couple. He looked at his wife and grinned. She lowered her head shyly. Kirish hid his smile. Uh, I am single, so uh, I'm here alone. Then you must be a poet or art connoisseur. We sorts like solitude. But beware, there are beautiful mountain girls here. <laughs> Girish did not reply. He started looking out the window again. The bus was reaching its destination, signifying that trees such as sal, fir, acacia and other conifers had engulfed the mountain and the valley. The bus heaved and reached the top of the mountain. Its destination? Masuri. The porters and hotel agents surrounded the disembarking tourists. Girish picked up his small hold-all and suitcase and, stepping aside, put his blanket on his shoulder. Because he had so little luggage, he didn't need a coolie's help. He turned his back and looked away from the crowd. He was enthralled with the view, forgetting himself. He'd had a similar experience when he had gone to Juhu Beach in Bombay late one night. He felt a knot in his throat as his eyes teared up. Man is so insignificant when he's in nature's lap. This, too, was like the vastness of the ocean. Snow-capped mountains spread out like waves everywhere in layers. His mind was overwhelmed, but his vision felt diminished in the vast expanse of beauty. He felt that he was not capable of absorbing this wonder. It was so daunting and profound. This feeling brought tears to his eyes. If only he could dive into the depths of this ethereal beauty. Wow, 
What heaven? Shop! Shop! An intruder broke into his dream world. Okay. He asked with anger and exasperation. Come to our lodge. Here is a card. It costs only rupees five for the night. There is a good Punjabi restaurant next door. The rickshaw stand is also nearby. You can have breakfast in the morning and then wander around in a rickshaw or dolly comfortably. His blabbering made Kirish want to slap him because he felt as if a fly had fallen into his kheer or paisa. Is there no joy in this despairing life other than seeking food and comfort? Okay, okay. Uh, I'll come there. You may go ahead. He took the card from the agent in an effort to get rid of him. Shall I ask the coolie to pick up your luggage? The agent grinned. Kirish looked at the coolies who were carrying everyone's luggage. They had tied the massive baggages on their backs and were climbing up the mountain with stooped backs. He looked at them with sympathy and said, uh, I don't have much. Uh, I'll carry it. But the agent did not move. Thinking that he could not get rid of this pest until he went to his room, Girish picked up his bags and took a step forward. Happy to have found a client, the agent grabbed Girish's suitcase and started walking towards the hotel. Scene 2. The Time of Sunset The shadow of the mountains were falling on the other ranges. The distant peaks glowed like gold as the sun set, while the nearer ones were verdant and green, causing a beautiful contrast of green mountains superimposed on gold summits. Girish stood on a flat plateau where the wildflowers bloomed. Wild roses, dahlia, begonia, yellow chrysanthemum were decorating the mountains just as people decorate a holy chariot or ratha. Flowers also grew between the black rocks at the base of the rustling oak tree. Yellow, white and purple lactomia flowers. Kirish had forgotten the world, including his hometown Bombay. He felt he was reborn in the last four to five days and had left everything else behind him. He visualized the natural sights which were not visible in his city life. He experienced such solitude in nature. He absorbed the landscape's beauty and the feelings it evoked and drew it on paper. Yes, as the Bengali co-traveller had guessed, Girish was an artist. This breathtaking scenery made his nascent feelings bloom. His emotions were in the open, flying high like a bird just freed from its cage. Girish sauntered towards the market. He saw happy children whose cheeks looked like rosy apples in the cold of the winter. He pinched a child's cheeks, which turned blood red after. The children were at first intimidated by the stranger, Girish. But when they saw the loving expression in his eyes, they giggled and walked on. He went further up. He reached the Dalai Lama's temple. A Kashmiri mountain man was selling shiny reddish-orange apples, sitafal or custard apple, oranges, blood-red pomegranates and bananas in a big artistic basket arranged very aesthetically. Girish had painted a picture of this ripe old man with his just-right ripe fruit the day before. But Girish had not come here to see the fruit seller. Using him as an excuse, he was actually scouting out the other side of the street, where a Tibetan family had an art stall. 
A middle-aged Tibetan mother, wearing a brown, long-sleeved, full-length outfit with lots of colourful beads around her neck, was knitting a sweater. In front of her was a flimsy wooden table. The table was overflowing with various Tibetan items of art, brass idols, spoons, bells, and polished jade and agate stones, rudrakshas, and glass beads studded in oxidized silver. For people who had artistic traits, this was a treasure trove. The artist, Girish, had been near the artifacts yesterday. In the stall stood the same sales girl who was there yesterday as well. He took a clay pitcher studded with brass embellishments and colourful beads from her and started looking at it keenly. Girish felt that something more precious than the pitcher was live and in front of him. She was not as heavy set as most Tibetans were. Despite her heavy clothing, he could perceive her beautiful curved body. With a honey gold complexion, her cheeks were apple, like the Kashmiri children. Her hair was neatly parted in the middle of her head and combed over a part of her forehead. Her face was a fountain of laughter. This mountain maiden was like a bud who was blooming in the spring breeze. How much does this cost? Ten rupees. Ten rupees was very inexpensive for this beautiful object of art. Despite that, Girish felt like bartering. Will you sell this for five rupees? No. I don't want it. He lingered for a moment, looking at the display of things and started to leave. The girl asked the mother in Tibetan. The mother gave the girl some advice. He had taken a few steps when the girl's voice attracted him. Shabji, Shabji, for you special price, seven rupees. Now no bargain, okay? Girish returned. She was wrapping the jar. He came really close to her, forgetting why he had come there. Perceiving his thoughts, the girl laughed. <laughs> what do you want, Shabji? Uh, 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 nothing. Ask now, Shabji. We only here four five days. When snow coming, we close and go to plains. Girish had never interacted with a girl like her. She must be hinting at something. As the Bengali suggested, these mountain girls come like butterflies following us. I will return tomorrow. Then I will take whatever I want. Saying this, he left. His whole body was trembling. He went the next day, just for her. He hesitated to go straight to her, so he went to the fruit stall and pretended to survey the fruit. The old mountain man who was selling fruit felt that Girish had a disturbed mind. <laughs> the old man must have been a romantic in his younger days. He laughed his toothless grin through his white beard and said, Babu, assalamu alaikum. That is a fruit for watching. This is a fruit to be eaten. Look here. <laughs> Kirish was not offended by his suggestive speech. Instead, his nerves calmed down. Waves of happiness coursed through his veins and kissed his heart. He smiled at the old man's joke and looked at the basket full of fruit. Without the heat and dust spoiling them, the fruits were shining brightly. He'd never seen such fresh and colourful fruit in Bombay. As he was buying a pomegranate and six bananas, the old man said, Johnny is a very good girl. 
बहुत अच्छी हु इज चोनी किरिश गेस्ट हु इट वाज द टिबेटन गर्ल यू वर सीइंग इज वयंगतोक बच्ची दे केम एज रेफ्यूजी फ्रॉम तिबेट आफ्टर कम्युनिटी ने ऑक्युपाइड देम टू इंडिया involuntarily his foot took him to his destination oh shab ji you come now now so late now all things packed in boxes shab ji uh uh i i don't need those things uh what? i need what do you need shab ji girish could not answer that question his tongue would not cooperate uh i i need a picture of yours Uh, can you come to Laltiba? There's a lone uh, deodar tree there. I'll be waiting for you near that tree. <laughs> Girish felt he was going crazy. This mountain girl was one step ahead of him. <laughs> If I come, who take care of the shop, Shabji? She thought for a moment and then said quietly. I want my picture. Nobody ever draw our picture. Okay. I come. I tell Ma Baba to take care of shop and I come tomorrow. Okay? She tilted her neck and gave a smile. Kirish's heart spurted with color. Scene 3. Shabji my baba asking why climb so high up to Lal Tiba for picture <laughs> She climbed the mountain side easily without losing her breath Kirish the city bred man was 20 feet behind her and breathless she had one foot on the ground and one on a small rock with her palms on her knees waiting for him behind her the mist floated by like steam The veil of fog moved away and revealed the snow-capped Kedarnath and Gangotri mountains. The sun's rays fell on the crown of snow on them, making them sparkle and shine. Kirish looked at the beautiful background behind Choni and smiled. He felt like she was a mountain maiden in the sky. But he knew she had not come here to be in the sky. Kirish drank a sip of water. Ah. Oof. No one is here to bother us. How could I paint your picture in solitude in that bazaar, Choni? <laughs> he asked, thinking that she understood what he was saying. Choni laughed like a forest bird's trill. <laughs> How you know my name, Shabji? <laughs> She said as she scaled up the peak. By the time they reached the other tree, the sun was mellow. He rested for a moment, looked around, and then came close to Choni as if he had forgotten himself. You are very blessed, Choni. You're always surrounded by the beauty of nature. The mist of his breath reached and touched her cheek. She turned her almond-shaped eyes towards him and said, Now we draw picture Shab ji. <laughs> yes. Sit over there on that rock. Hmm. 
As she sat down, he physically touched her and helped her pose for the picture. She did not resist, but smilingly let him move her around and change her posture. After ten minutes when his machinations did not end. Shabji, enough! She said as she straightened her back and tilted her neck. Four hours of effort led to the completion of Choni's portrait. When he said he was done, she came by him, saw her picture and screamed with joy like a child. Oh, Shabji! I show beautiful. You are a hundred times better than that, Choni. Kirish tried to wrap his arms around her. But Choni plopped herself down, evading him. She escaped from the circle with arms and ran down the mountainside, turned around, saw his face and laughed. <laughs> she rapidly ran and disappeared. At that moment, the fog covered the scene. His mind also fogged up just like nature had. Choni! Choni! Where was she? She probably had gone on some unknown interior path and reached the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> Naughty. Her way of escape made him feel more attracted towards her. By evening, he found himself at the table in her store. As usual, her mischievous smile welcomed him. Her father, Wayangto, was mumbling his prayers. Her mother was sitting a little ways away with a knowing smile. He was surprised to see this family smiling. Choni's little sister was pounding a walnut in order to eat it. Kirish waited a while for them to stop smiling. And then, to get closer to the family, he got close to the little sister. What's your name? Kipa, said the girl as she started putting the walnut kernel in her mouth. Can you give me a walnut? It's very tasty. Saying this, Kipa gave him a full walnut with a smile on her face. Seeing Girish chatting with the little girls, Choni's mother said, Shabji, what you come to buy? Choni Shay, you draw beautiful picture? Hmm? Then her husband, who had been praying, smiled through the deep wrinkles of his face. It was hard to discern if the smile was one of humour or encouragement or indifference. The smile of that wide face and small eyes was stranger than Mona Lisa's smile. One could interpret that smile in many ways. Where are you staying? Um, Himalaya Lodge? Said Girish. Seeing his dignified demeanour, Girish was surprised. Kirish did not waste his time with the father. He could see only Choni, who was standing behind her mother. What a radiant, smiling face. Kirish picked up a Buddha's brass bust with a crown on it. He was done seeing it. He then picked up a garland of various polished semi-precious stones and little bells and put it down. He pretended to examine the semi-precious stones in a dish. By that time, several people had shopped and left the store. A hippie with scraggly hair picked up a Rudraksha necklace, looked interestedly at Choni and finished his shopping. He did not bargain. 
Choni charged him 15 rupees for the necklace. He flung 15 rupees in the air at her direction and left. Girish felt like a red poisonous scorpion was crawling all over him. He bought a few things at random and paid for them. Before leaving, he intentionally forgot and left his full wallet on the table. This would make his path easy and simple. They already knew where he was staying. These poor nomads who were hungry foreigners would appreciate the value of money, he told himself. It's not hard for a mountain girl to wander astray. At dawn the next day, while he was snoozing, snug in his sweatshirt under the quilt and two woolen blankets, he heard a knock at the glass door. Who is it? No answer. Again, someone knocked on the glass behind the slightly open curtain. He hazily saw Choni. Disregarding the cold, he divested himself off his warm coverings and jumped off his bed. As soon as he opened the door, he saw Choni with her customary smile and his wallet in her hand. Shabji, here your wallet. You forgot at shop yesterday. Ma tell me to go give you. Kirish was as happy as a blooming mountain rose. Her parents are really savvy, he thought. He said adoringly. Yes, Choni, it's mine for you. I left the purse full of money for you. I only kept the money to pay the hotel and for the train fare to go to Bombay. And I left the rest for you. He tried to pull her into the room by her golden arm. Choni did not frown. She did not smile. She did not yield to her being pulled. Like a doll anchored to the floor, she did not move. But her lips moved. Her dignified and firm voice announced, Shabji, we go plains now. All of us going down mountain. My Baba, he order me. He say, go give wallet to Shabji. And say, we nomadic shales people, not beggar. Our body, very sacred, not for shale. You keep your money carefully. Okay, Shabji. Saying that, she scattered the wallet in front of him and left before he could blink. She disappeared like lightning. When he looked out the door, he could see two mules carrying the load of Koyakot's blankets and suitcases. Keepa was riding a small pony. Choni's parents, fully confident that their daughter would follow them, were boldly walking away fast without even looking back to see if she was there. When Choni reached her group, Girish turned back to his room. Choni's portrait was looking at him, at his disgraced face. In an instant, Girish went to the picture with an intention of ripping it off angrily. But the hand that had painted the picture stopped itself. He took the picture in his hand and smiled mockingly at himself. I intended to give her a bhiksha or charity and had thrown the wallet at her. But instead, I became the beggar who discovered the pricelessness 
of Choni's dignity. He would never forget the mountain girl's portrait. You've been listening to Cloud Playhouse Audio, the podcast channel of Cloud Playhouse. If you liked our episode, do share, subscribe, and write in your comments. You can also download our episodes from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or listen to us on our website at cloudplayhouse.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening.